Those of you that know Don Coleman know that he has a number of classic spiritual catchphrases. Among the top of those is, do the Bible. And if you spend enough time with Don, those phrases begin to stick in your head. In fact, I coined a phrase myself, which is, your inner Donalogue. And for me, I found my inner Donalogue speaking a lot in this recent season. One of the classic spiritual catchphrases that has been going on in my mind has been, position yourself. Position yourself to see God. Position yourself to experience God. Position yourself to hear God. We are very prone to want to just be given things, but God calls us to put ourselves in a place where we can actually receive those things. It's very clear to me in this current season that the way that God's calling me to position myself is to trust him and wait. It's like he's saying to me, Paul, I know the different fronts that you're facing attacks on now. I know how challenging something like unemployment can be. Uh, I know how you could naturally and justifiably respond in these spaces, and I'm asking you not to. I'm asking you to trust me. In fact, I'm asking you to die to some of the ways that you might be justified in responding, to let go of things that you might feel like you deserve or that you have earned and for me to be everything and all and enough. And I can nod my head while hearing that, but actually putting that into action is hard. And there is this period of time recently where I had to position myself to receive those words, to hone those words in, and then to choose to step into it. Um, And for the sake of time, I won't tell all the things that happened over the course of five days, where God gave me a nudge, I positioned myself, and he showed up. But it all led to this moment where it was very clear there were things I needed to die to, things that weren't bad, but things that weren't God. And so I needed to die to them. And I felt this nudge to do a fire pit, and at that fire pit to write those things on pieces of paper, to ball them up, to throw them in the fire as a visual display of me dying to those things and living into God. And so I did it. Uh, And I felt this nudge to record uh, the papers burning in the fire, and I didn't think much of it. I didn't plan to post it on Facebook or anything. And I actually didn't do anything with it until the next day when I was scrolling through pictures, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, let me look at this random video of balls of paper burning. Well, in that video, there is a snippet of a song by Kirk Franklin, I Smile. Now, here's the funny thing. Usually when I do a fire pit, you're going to hear The Temptations, you're going to hear Stevie Wonder, but I just felt like that day it needed to be gospel music. And here's this little snippet of I Smile, a song that I hadn't really listened to the lyrics of before, but they basically say, I smile, but where are the blue skies? I smile, but why are things still hard? Why are things still going wrong? And it's basically a call to still smile because we know that God is God and God is good and he's going to work. Well, that struck me that this little snippet of a video contained just enough lyrics to make me realize that God was trying to tell me something. Um, That day had been hard. You would think that when you die to yourself that suddenly things will get better, but no, like there was a mourning at at what I I essentially lost that I let go of. Um, And that night I was really wrestling with that in some particular ways And I felt that sadness veering towards trying to take them back. And I could see it happening. And at the very moment 
the lowest moment where I needed God to do something, my phone vibrates. It's a text uh, from a friend of mine who happened to be listening to I Smile, who happened to think of me when listening to it, and who happened to feel like God was saying, hey, you need to let Paul know. And it was clear as day that in that moment, it was not a coincidence. It was God saying, Paul, I see the sadness. I know the hurt. And yes, things are hard right now. I want you to know that I not only see that, but I am with you in it and I'm doing stuff and I can do way more than you could ever expect or dream of or think of or ask for. And all of this because I try to position myself to see and hear and experience God rather than respond in the ways that would have been natural and justifiable for me. And so that's what today's episode is about. How do we position ourselves to see and hear God. I'm excited about this episode because I get to sit down and talk with Hunter Scott. Hunter Scott is a year-long resident with Churchill Activities and Tutoring, and we met a year and a half ago when we sat down for coffee to find out if this is where God would want her to be. And that's a story in and of itself about positioning. Uh, But I'm excited to talk with Hunter, not just because of the ways that she's positioned herself to hear and see and experience God, but also because Hunter and I used to have a podcast when we worked together called Cubicle Cast. It is online. You can find it. It is ridiculous. Hopefully it is hilarious. Uh, And it was really exciting for us to step back into the cubicle, if you will, um, but to also explore what it is like to position yourself to experience God. So thank you for joining us for episode seven of the Where Did You See God podcast. have a special episode today, which I'll say why it's special in a second, but with Hunter Scott. Heyo! But before we start, Hunter, can I pray? Yeah, that'd be great. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good, and just for how you work and move, and um, we just pray that you would guide our words today, that uh, we know that you want to be seen and heard, and sometimes it just takes us putting ourselves in a place to see and hear you, so I pray that you would just help us to say what needs to be said. Let's pray in your holy name. Amen. All right, (laughs) we're taking it back (laughs) all the way to 2017. 2017. So this is a special episode because Hunter and I Mm -hmm. actually we go back a long time to a year year and a half ago. Um, but Hunter and I used to do another podcast. It was the best. It was called Cubicle Cast. And I mean, lives were changed. Changed. Changed forever. Thousands of listeners. Mm. It was incredible. So many of them. So many listeners. And so we had some good times, some good conversations. <laughs> and so I've been really excited about this episode because we get to, the, the band's back together. Hey, Gosh. Um, and the funny TBT. thing is, our our best episode was yeah. one that actually had serious content. <laughs> so <laughs> this yes. this throwback to Cast may be the second best Cast yes. episode ever. Sounds awesome to um, me. But Hunter, yeah. I know you. The people don't know you. It's true. Who are you in the quick 
elevator pitch. Oh, gosh, Paul. I feel like I should have been prepped on my elevator pitch. You know we um, don't prep. You're right. We, <laughs> it's truly in the most <laughs> us fashion ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am a mid-20s gal living in the east end of Richmond. I... Um, yeah, work at Churchill Activities and Tutoring and do a lot of um, admin stuff on the operations and HR team. I really, really, really love ice cream. Mm. Um, I love to read. I'm currently reading this book called To Wake the Sleeping Self by Jedediah Jenkins. It's mm. incredible. You should check it out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty normal human. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whatever that is. If I didn't know the Lord, I would be on reality television for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is good. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've been, we've, we've talked about how God's speaking and working a lot mm-hmm. over the past year plus. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to hear a lot of your stories. You've gotten to hear a lot of my stories. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that I've been excited about having you on this podcast is because something I've felt like is important if we really want to see and hear God Mm. then it's probably a good idea to position ourselves to see and hear God yeah and a lot of people just want God to kind of hand it to them Mm. um what's unique about you is you've positioned yourself in two very distinct ways one um by choosing to do chats year-long residency yeah. And instead of doing a lot of other things you could have done, you invested a year to coming here where you would knew mm-hmm. God would be pushing you and challenging mm-hmm. you. And the second thing is you just got back from hanging out with Bob Goff Hey-o. and some others. <laughs> <laughs> like she was name dropping the other day. <laughs> oh, I had lunch with Donald Miller and sleeping at last guy. Yeah, we are best friends now. So <laughs> you've been positioning yourself. Yeah. And as a result, mm-hmm. you've experienced God. You've heard and saw God. So I guess my first question for you is, um, what was that, what was it like on the front end of being on the precipice of positioning yourself, but not yet, like you could have bailed. Like what was that moment like right before you were Mm, in? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, um, life is very busy and I knew, I haven't always been incredible with practicing the Sabbath um, and knew that I needed to like intentionally put time on the calendar to get away. Mm-hmm. Um, I could like see the crash coming. So decided to take my first other like, I don't know, like Sabbath week um, and had luckily applied to be a part of a new pilot program at Onsite, which is a spiritual and emotional health retreat center right outside of Nashville. It's nestled in these beautiful Tennessee-like hills, mm. and um, if you are someone who would is interested in any capacity in taking a deeper dive on your story, they have a six-week program, or six-week, kidding, six weeks, it would kill you, six days. Um, <laughs> Six-day, it's called the Living Centered Program. You should check out their website, um, onsiteworkshops.com. It's incredible, but they were doing a partnership with Bob Goff. They were going to offer a four-and-a-half-day-ish thing called the Dream Big Framework, Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed really fun. I think everyone's always saying expectations rule the day, expectations, all these things about expectations. And I'm like, yes, totally think that stuff is true. But it was so fun watching the intro video. Bob was like, bring your absurd expectations. Mm-hmm. Let's like reckon with some real stuff. 
let's figure out what's driving our train um, and is it what we want to be driving our trains and if it isn't let's figure out what we who we want to become um, and then find people that are doing it ask what they're doing and then do a lot of that mm-hmm. um, so yeah I decided to do this week long Sabbath um, drove to Nashville I think on the way down I just knew the first bit was going to be more the on-site portion where I was going to have to like literally talk about childhood trauma and ACE scores and a lot of like really, really, really hard things in my story for at least for the first day and a half to two days, mm-hmm. which I, from like literally 6 a.m. till 10 p.m., like pretty intensive mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, well, let me ask this. Yeah. Because one of my questions that was in my head as you were talking is like, so you're an Enneagram 8, which yeah. for people who cast listeners, there's episode, what, 7? Yeah. We dive into that. But yeah, you, yeah. you love, like, new things. You love mm-hmm. challenges. You love growing. And mm-hmm. So this experience in general was was high on your yes. list. But I imagine, you know, whenever you're going to step into some big spiritual thing, yeah. there's resistance. And so... Mm-hmm. Like, I'm curious, like, it sounds like this was maybe part of the resistance yeah. for you. Did you, like, sense other resistance? I don't necessarily think if resistance maybe, maybe fear more than resistance, mm. um, because I'm showing up to a place with 40 strangers, yeah. and they're like, let's just rip off our masks and talk about really intense things that we're working through, yeah. and I am the person that is in a really interesting space. Um, so... I, I have to do. <laughs> so we, in order for this to be a true throwback, in order for this to be a true throwback, we've got to bring back some old classics. So we're going to entering a segment now called "What's Grinding Jonathan's Gears." Jonathan, what's grinding your gears right now? Boy, that's that's a hard question. There's a lot of things that are it's grinding my gears right now. Gonna have to, we're gonna have to come back to that. Oh, I'm gonna have to pick. Gosh, gonna have to pick. I'll, I'll stop by later on in the good, uh, I'll okay. stop by later on in the show. Right. I'm not quite ready. Thank so you. So stay tuned for <laughs> what's grinding wow. James Classic. I tend to do this like through a I segment at like the most inappropriate time because <laughs> you're talking like, about deep I'm things. Like, I went to an, and it's kind of funny because onsite is technically rehab. Um, mm. So and they were really great when they were talking about how rehab is just human school. Yeah. And the guy that founded onsite um, basically went to rehab because his life was on fire and realized he found more grace than he has ever known in being able to say this is like the ugliest part of me and everyone else in the room saying I'm in an equally as hard spot and like welcome to the table and you were loved and you were seen Mm. Um, so that's kind of what Onsite was birthed out of how can we give people opportunities to take a deeper dive on their story but it's kind of like prehab, like you're not in rehab, mm, but you um, are yeah. choosing to go and really do some really deep yeah. work. Um, so I knew I was nervous and yeah. knowing the first few days would be pretty intense um, with people I didn't know. And they had some just like leading like therapists and people who love Jesus. Yeah. Who are like, hi, I have a thousand degrees in mental health, but also my divinity degree and all of these really cool things. But people who are like blazing the trail in um, especially childhood trauma repairs were going to be there and I knew I'd be working with them and that is just intimidating yeah. um, some of the one of the best things they said on open at the opening thing was you don't have to pass a test to be able to come home mm-hmm. and they said if you're at this event you're probably someone who carries a lot of weight for the people around you for the communities around you for your jobs for your families 
this is a time where like we're gonna carry you for a few days that's good um so and they also talked a lot about how it is not about the rip of whatever we have walked through but it is about the repair Mm -hmm. um and really focusing on how truly being healed and repaired from hardship in life and hardship um in general with each other and within ourselves Mm. whether it's decisions that we made or things that other people have done to us really starts with knowing the deep grace of Jesus, giving Mm. grace to ourselves, and then being able to extend grace to other people. Um, They really talked a ton about, yeah, just a lot of um, things specifically with, like, family structures and family makeups and lies we believe as we grow up as kids um, watching imperfect people. And no matter what family you come from, there's things that you latch on to and learn about the world that just actually aren't true. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really um, humbling and beautiful experience to be sitting in a room with people who, like many names you would know if you're in, involved in any Christian circle, and to see them literally like weeping over hardship um, and getting, as someone who is an eight and is just someone who... I'm just not a big crier. Like, everyone's like, oh, my God, look at that kitten. Tears. I'm like, that is so nice. Next. Like, just unmoved. Yeah. Um, yep. So to get to, like, cry with strangers was just very healing for me um, yeah. and just felt so vulnerable and so incredible. I um, learned about this concept of thin places, which I didn't really know about it before. And in the Celtic tradition, um, thousands of years ago, and... Christianity, basically, there's this idea that heaven and earth are only three feet apart all the time. Um, But in certain places, heaven and earth are even closer. And these are called thin places. And it's not close because you feel relaxed, because you probably will. It's probably somewhere beautiful and somewhere that feels like home to you. Um, But it transforms you because it unmasks you. And this is ability to be very honest about where we're at and very honest about brokenness and hurting and pain um, while also realizing in situations where in these thin places we got to just become more of who we were born to be by honoring um, brokenness and seeing the Lord show up in really big ways. So it was definitely a thin place. Um, The last, we kind of ended all of the pretty intense few days walking in a labyrinth, which I had never done, mm. and, or I had done briefly, like, no now one had ever... Now you're talking one of those prayer labyrinths yes, where it's the prayer circle labyrinth. that's... It almost looks yeah. like a maze, except for in a maze, yeah. you have to figure out how to get out in a labyrinth. You take one step after another step after another step, and you will get to the middle, and then you will get back out, and there's no tricks. Mm-hmm. But you just have to keep walking. Um, for our local listeners, if yeah. you're like, oh, that sounds interesting, Churchill actually has two of those. hey One of them's at Richmond Hill which you can visit most of the time. Um, It's a space that exists to be one of those thin places. Yeah. Another thin place that many people don't know about, uh, but if they know me, they've heard me rave about it, is 31st (laughs) Street Baptist Church Prayer Garden on 32nd Street. And they have a labyrinth as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we, they said, you know, on the way in, we're going to be silent. Um, and we are going to honor our stories and honor Mm. every step we've taken and see the twists and turns and see, um, to see a lot of the hard, but see the good, to see the unexpected, um, to see the things that we are just going to honor and hold space for the story that mm-hmm. is being written for you right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we made it to the middle, there's 40 of us and it's like, it's a pretty decent sized labyrinth, but also like people are kind of pushing you in on all sides because we were all crammed <laughs> in there together. And, um, the guy, Miles Adcox, he has a podcast called Unspoken. He's the founder of Unsight. He's incredible. Please look him up. Um, but he said in like 
back in the day, labyrinths were made for prayer walks, but they were also made because of this old, like, wise tale that there was yeah. monsters that could come to the middle um, of labyrinths and die, and because of the trail, they would never get out. So he said, like, is there anything you need to leave here? This ground can take it. If you need to bury something, bury it. Yeah. And I think I, yeah, buried really, 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 um, like, lies I just didn't realize I believed about, like, I think we're all waiting on something to really live. Mm -hmm. And I was like, crap, what am I waiting on? Am I waiting on the, like, the perfect, like, partner? Am I waiting on the perfect job? Am I waiting on the perfect community? Like, why have I said when X, Y, and Z happens, that's when the time of my life will be? Um, And realizing, like, the time of my life is literally right now. Mm -hmm. And there's, this is the most, and if this is a part of the journey, whether it is, like, one of the hardest seasons I've walked through or one of the most, like, I don't know, um... You know, when routine things, right. I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Rhythm. Rhythm, like, I don't know, just really ordinary. It can seem like, okay, good, I just want to jump to the next high peak or the next really transformative thing. Um, but no, like, if this is a part of the, if this is trusting the process, if this is in the process, it's important for something. Yeah. Um, and me really feeling like I got to, like, mourn that. And as we were standing in the middle, a man walks out of the woods playing a bagpipe to amazing grace it was the most That's awesome. but it was like just waterworks and people were crying and then on the what he said on the way out we're going to like high five and hug and like celebrate as a community yeah. to know that like we are not alone and yeah. live and letting dead things die and yeah, it was so fun to celebrate and hug people who, like, over 48 hours had gotten much closer than even some of my friends here yeah. Um, yeah. because of the... We got special yes. guest Willis Weber. Willis Weber. Who... Hi. Oh, <laughs> this is a segment we like to call Willis Says Hi. Man, uh, that would have been a segment. Man. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so it was really, really beautiful. Um, at the end, we all just kind of gathered around. We took a really cool picture in the labyrinth. And it was just one of the most powerful moments of, yeah. of getting away. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then that was most of the hard things. Then we kind of got to jump straight into having fun. Mm. <laughs> Bob Goff is, um, wrote a book called Love Does that was really popular. He runs nonprofits all over the world, yeah. um, educating people, um, taking care of children who are orphans, really incredible things. His book, Love Does, is kind of his way to. Um, funding his nonprofits. Um, he said he hated fundraising, but he was a pretty good writer. Uh-huh. So he decided to write Love Does. And he didn't keep a single penny of that wow. money and so founded all these nonprofits. So it's pretty cool. He's incredible. His wife, Sweet Maria, is just simply one of the kindest women I've ever gotten to meet. She was there. Um, she has a book called Love Lives Here that came out last year that was great. Bob also just released another book called Everyone Always about loving the people who other people want to avoid. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was super kind, super fun. Um, we got to just, yeah, did a ton of big dreaming. And we did everything from talking about what is your big dream. I love that he talked about... Um, how the Lord is dazzled when you like fly to Africa and feed 15,000 people, but he's even more dazzled when you walk across the street and love your neighbor. Yeah. Um, that was really exciting. Yeah. And he said like his big ambition was becoming a grandpa and loving his family really well. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, it was really encouraging not just to see people who were like, my big ambition is to run this nonprofit and create an empire and do the things, but that half the people there were like, my big ambition is to become like more gentle and more kind. How do I do that? Um, 
Yeah, so it was really cool. We started with like clearing the path, identifying misinterpretations and limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. and kind of asking the questions of um, almost like what are new grooves I need to carve in my brain mm-hmm. um, to be able to go about what I was born to do. Yeah. And then when you figure out what that new groove is, whether it's changing the rhythm in your life, um, being more vulnerable with people, maybe going to therapy, maybe um, yeah, dismissing all these setbacks. Once you find the new groove, you need to go like go Grand Canyon on that mm-hmm. and just figure out what you're going to run really hard after. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing was taking action and talking about, um, yeah, just this really cool thing of figuring out what you want to do and also starting right where you are with what you have. Mm. You don't need like a billion dollars in a platform to be able to do something that's going to change the world. Yeah. And I would argue most people changing the world do not have platforms. Right. Um, and he used the analogy of a chessboard, and he said mm. it's not like you're playing against someone, but imagine all the pieces. Every time another piece goes forward, another piece has to come off the board. Mm. And I loved thinking about like as we push our pieces out and grow in certain aspects, other pieces have to come off the board. And yeah. us intentionally thinking, he was like, if you want to keep all the pieces on the board and do a hundred things, you're only going to make one tiny step forward in all the things. Mm-hmm. That's not actually doing what you, yeah. making the biggest impact where you will call back, yeah. which I loved. Um, and then we talked about expecting setbacks mm-hmm. and knowing that... Um, yeah, that they would come, especially if you're doing something really absurd that you want to reach after. I um, mean, he said things that I loved. He said, find your dream and guard your heart and let um, don't take everything I got as gospel. Let gospel be gospel. Um, and just the, con- the constant reminder of, yeah, that we that God is with us as Emmanuel and like that is what is going to drive things forward for Mm. us is that when we remember that it's not on us to actually solve the problem it's not on us to to forge a new path um it is totally in the provision of the Lord if we get to do really absurd wonderful beautiful things that that is what he has chosen for us um then we got to spend time in some small groups talking about like um setbacks that we've have experienced um and then the last thing we kind of talked about or one of the last was sustaining belief um, and it's all about making small adjustments. Almost like if you are a really rich person with a wine cellar, we should be friends, call me. Um, <laughs> I would love to have a wine cellar. That uh. sounds like my, my dream a little. Um, but if you have really, really, really old wine, you have to go down into the cellar and adjust it by like 10, 10 or 20 degrees a few times a year to keep the sediment changing and you can't let it settle. And he talked about how once we have setbacks we just have to make small adjustments Mm. and almost like these two degree corrections over time make a really 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 big difference of the type of people we end up being and about how that is the beauty of sanctification is Mm -hmm. that little by little we're going to make these small little changes and specifically you talked about trying to keep a pulse on you as like an eight-year-old uncorrupted kid Mm -hmm. like the way you saw the world the way you played the way you were creative yeah and he was like when you look at the lies that you've either like believed about yourself or you're working through or stuff all the things of life that are really hard and heavy he was like what would your eight-year-old self look at you and say about those things like what's and also he said a lot of something that I thought was really interesting he was like the most innocent form of you would probably say really similar things to what God would say to you Mm -hmm. um so keeping a pulse on like what would the eight-year-old self say to you, but also what would the 10 years from now self? So if I'm 24, what would my eight-year-old self say to me? What would my 34-year-old self say to me? 
and it, to kind of um, that is a way you can keep up to date on the most sanctified version of yourself because we are changing and sanctifying every day. Um, and then the last thing he talked about, we kind of capped off the week with talking about landing the plane. Mm-hmm. He was like, we can talk about this all day long, but if you don't land the freaking plane and do something, mm-hmm. this is not worth anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this thing that happens sometimes with a headwind when planes, when planes try to land and they hover about 10 feet over the ground and they like can't come down. And he was like, what's stopping you from landing your plane? Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically a lot about just what can you do right now to go after yeah. that thing? Where are you? Who can you contact? Um, and about just exploring opportunities. Yeah. Like, do you know someone that does that thing that you would like dream of doing? Yeah. Contact them. Or like even tonight, shout out Willis Weber and Amy. I have been trying to reach out to different couples in the community who have lived through hard things and are not like bitter. And I want to hear more of people's stories within that. So yeah. I'm like doing bourbon and wisdom tonight at 8 p.m. It's going to be awesome. Um, but like, yeah, just identifying yeah. people who are living intentionally and living well. Yeah. You were like, man, I hope when I'm 35 or I hope when I'm 50 or I hope when I'm 70 that I live like you. Grab a cup of coffee with them. Call mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah. Even um, Bob talks a lot about how he he's done a lot of like, he calls the Queen of England and asks to have tea. I mean, this guy calls everyone, and that is so fun and so exciting. Mm-hmm. So you should call someone. Who knows yeah. what they'll say? Um, and ask to hang out or ask to get to know them. But starting where you are, identifying people that are doing that, and then doing a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's what's really funny is, so this episode, and I even kind of sprung it on Hunter at the beginning. I was like, this episode's going to be about positioning yourself. hey <laughs> And, like, it was coming from a place of that initial piece of, how you positioned yourself in the residency, how you positioned yourself for this Bob Bob Goff um, on-site thing. Um, But what's funny is, so we have issues, we have an issue as Christians often Mm. of like feeling like we constantly need to arrive versus we constantly need to just go on the journey. And so even in something like positioning ourselves, our expectation is if I position myself then I will get the thing or I will learn the mm. thing or God will do the thing. Whereas what's yeah. hilarious is you positioned yourself to learn how to position yourself. Like yeah. you didn't realize yeah. it, but yeah. 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 like the, Certainly. you just shared, like it was a set of bullet points of ways that you were challenged mm. to actually position yourself. Yeah. Um, which I would encourage listeners to, to go mm. back and, and write down some of those bullets because what she shared she dove into over the course of several days, yeah, but had to condense it yes, into a couple minutes. Seriously. But there's a lot of really important stuff. But I had a question as you were talking. Yeah. Um, so initially, like, you were in a really busy season. Yeah. And one of the things that prompted you into this space is you just needed a break, mm-hmm. but also you sensed that God wanted to do something. Yeah. So you did that initial positioning. Yeah. And then once you did that, that's when you started to have fear try to, like, hold up, yeah. what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stayed at the table. You pushed through that. Mm. This could have just been a weekend that was a really good self-help weekend. Mm -hmm. What was the moment that you knew this wasn't just good advice? Like, what was the moment that you're like, oh, my goodness, God is here. God is doing something. Yeah, I mean, probably I knew the Lord was there just upon meeting everyone else that was there who are people who were in prominent places of influence and they were just like weeping and telling their stories of what's really hard right now like everything from my husband just committed suicide to I just had to bury a kid like people are just desperately hurting um and I was like whoa like and also I was 
the youngest person there by probably five years. <laughs> so getting to be around people who are a lot older and just seeing, almost feeling like a sponge of like there's so much wisdom that was just being poured on me, mm-hmm. um, which was just such a blessing. But I definitely think the peak moment of knowing that the Lord was doing something really, really, really powerful was in the labyrinth. Yeah. Like to see people walk in and honor their stories in, and I don't know, name a time where you wept with 40 adults. Um, no, ever, yeah. never, yeah. literally never. People I mean, don't that's do it. culturally unacceptable. People literally don't do it. Yeah. And yeah, that was, it was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Um, and getting to, yeah, getting to weep yeah. with people who are, yeah, just yeah. killer human beings and sold out for Jesus, but are also processing a lot, um, but mm. also just really, really, really dedicated to being on the path and doing the next right thing and honoring what the Lord wants to do in their lives and honoring what the Lord's up to. So I definitely think being in the la- in the center of a labyrinth and just looking around and seeing the people and it was like a crisp morning and yeah. the leaves looked beautiful and the sun was coming in perfectly and like it couldn't have been a more picturesque mm. like surrounding scene. Mm-hmm. And then here comes a freaking bagpipe player. Like, mm-hmm. you could, like, just kill me. Like, yeah. I was toast. Um, yeah. But that was, yeah. it was really, really powerful. By the way, this episode is brought to you by uh, OnSite. If you want to know how to do life right, you yes. should go to OnSite. Yeah. And, uh, and that leads us to our next segment, which yeah. is called Hunter Name Drops Famous People She Met. <laughs> I... You should all look up Melissa Radke on Instagram. She is really funny. She wrote a book called Eat Cake and Be Brave. She was wonderful. I got to spend a bunch of time. That just sounds like your book. I got to spend a bunch of time with her. (laughs) She's really funny. She has a podcast called Ordinary People, which she um, was like, maybe I should have you on my my, my podcast because you're ordinary, but you're really incredible. And I freaked out. So maybe I'll be on her podcast. That'd be incredible. Um... (laughs) I got to hang out with Donald Miller and his wife, Betsy. I got to meet their dog, Lucy. We were um, part of this thing as that I was part of the first pilot group ever of a partnership between Bob and OnSite. And they are going to launch a like yearly program that will be happening at OnSite with Bob. Um, so this was just the first of like years of programming to come. So they took us out on the farm one day and there was like really cute, this beautiful table and hay bales and a harpist in the middle of a freaking field in Tennessee. And lo and behold, here's the man himself, Donald Miller. And I just got to like sit down and say hi and talk to him about his books and about how even in his book, Scary Close, he talks about going to an inpatient and mental and emotional health treatment center that is on site. And we met at OnSite, so it was so fun of me reading that book and thinking like, oh, i got some things I have to work on. Um, and thinking, this is so funny that we're here doing yeah. work at the place that you ended up writing a book about, that I read the book, and now I'm here and I'm meeting you. Um, and getting to talk to him about how much I love Blue Like Jazz and just his other writing um, was just really incredible. So kind, so gentle. His wife is, she's badass. She's great. Everyone should follow <laughs> Betsy Miller on Instagram. Um, but they were just just really kind um chad um and ryan from sleeping at last were there they were kind of thinking about what's next for them which was really cool they were really kind i met this guy who's a luxury tiny house builder who's like a really big deal on instagram um i yeah they're 
I were a lot of people who uh, I was like, why do you look so familiar? Oh, you have 100,000 Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. And people were DMing me saying, oh my gosh, meet this person. Oh my gosh, meet this person. Also, Bob Goff's team um, was incredible. The guys who founded the Bible Project were there. Wow. Um, they were really incredible. Um, yeah, it was yeah. really fun. So let me ask this question. So again, we're talking about positioning. Yeah. Uh, you know, really, like, it's funny, like, I feel like a lot of times we feel like it's up to us to position ourselves, but really, like, God's the one who prompts our hearts. Um, yeah. We just have to be willing to, mm. like, go where God leads. And so he had put some things in your life to position you, to yeah. want to position yourself. Yeah. You pushed through the fear. You stepped in these places. You were challenged, convicted. I love that, yeah. I like, what you shared about having to leave some things that, like, mm. were probably right and good and just things right. on a human level, but you knew they weren't what God was calling you to. Yeah. Um, and then you came home, yeah. right? How, how are you different having positioned yourself mm. on this end? Because we were going to record before, and I was like, yeah. let's wait till after, because yeah. who knows what your story is going to be. So how are you different? I really feel... I think we have moments in our journey where we will we remember like oh yeah before this I don't know something like there was a shift um, even talking about like a two degree shift um, and how if you do a two degree shift on like an airplane GPS it's the difference between like Tokyo and Sydney pretty drastic differences in the long run um, I definitely think this is one of the most impactful weeks simply just because I think I feel a lot more freedom to fully live into the story that God is writing me right now um, and getting to not feel the pressure of figuring out my whole life, which I think young adults and specifically it's something that I've really struggled with of just feeling like I'm at times walking on a tightrope and mm-hmm. need to like make the next step and it's like crucial that I do the, like the right thing and there's right. like no right and wrong thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just coming home and realizing right now is the time of my life. Yeah. I have everything I need to do what God's calling me to and I am trying to answer the question, if Jesus was me, if he was a 24-year-old woman working at chat, living in the east end of Richmond, with my personality, with my <laughs> bank account, mm-hmm. with my friends and contacts and abilities, yeah. what would he look like being faithful into these different things he's called into, into neighboring, yeah. into roommates, into um, family, into my job? What does it look like for Jesus to be faithful if he were me in this season? Mm-hmm. So just coming back in... Yeah, I, after this week, I spent two days in an Airbnb and stayed in Nashville and spent a lot of time in coffee shops and did a lot of, of kind of really putting on paper, like what would it look like for God to really be me in this season? And um, that was powerful to write down and just to everything from like, to like physically honoring my body and like being like, when was the last time I went on a run? To like, how am I eating? To what, what spiritual rhythms are serving me and which ones are not that I have said like, this is what I have to do. Yeah. What are... You know, just adjusting rhythms for yeah. for this next season and feeling. It was funny. I was thinking, when was the last time I felt this emotionally, physically, and spiritually rested? And I like couldn't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, that's the funny yeah. thing is like, there's all kinds of ways that we feel like we have to get there or things that have to happen. Yeah. And for you, it was actually getting away from all the things that would have been naturally the yes. things you would have chosen. Yeah. And that's where God showed up. And I really love this. Um, what you said about just like right now, mm-hmm. how are we like 
living into who God called us to be. Um, this week I was with some friends and one of them uh, had made the decision that he had to step away from something that um, he didn't really want to step away from. Um, and I remember having this sense that I knew, like we both knew that God had called him to the place he had been. Um, and sometimes it could feel like, well, did God really call me if I'm having to leave now? But what yeah. I what I told him and uh, was reflecting on myself is, we had this nasty habit as Christians that when God calls us to take a step, we plan out the next mile. Mm-hmm. And God never said he was necessarily taking mm-hmm. us a mile down the road. He was just calling us to that next step. And right. so what can it look like to just be obedient to this next step and to be aware of what's ahead, but not be so focused on a mile down the road that we don't see right. what's right in front of us. Yep. Um, or we get distracted thinking that we have to be at that destination where God was actually taking us to a very different place. Right. And so I'm really excited for you because, you know, like you said, you're 24. There is a lot of life ahead. Yeah. And you are, you know, again, Enneagram 8, very driven and like, <laughs> you know, figuring out what the next thing is. But yeah. I love the fact that God's like putting you in this place where he's saying, where I want you to position yourself now is to not try to position yourself on your own yeah and even realizing that a god who has filled me with gifts and abilities didn't fill me with them for them to rot Mm -hmm. and that he is a god that nothing is wasted yeah so not a second of um like my family pain or Mm -hmm. confusion or not knowing like none of it, it will be wasted yeah and that is like a promise that we can come back to as people when we don't when we don't know yeah and i don't know a lot of things so (laughs) it's a pretty good promise Boom, there we go. So, you know, it's been a good episode, Hunter. You know, going back to those cubicle cast days, you know, a lot of things happened. We talked about God. We talked about Bob Goff. We did. Jonathan Chan promised he'd come back, but he's sitting over there and he's not here. He's such a liar Mm. and a punk. But, you know, it's been fun. Yep. Maybe one day we'll get back together again. Yes. Record more. It was the greatest. Cool. That is it. Okay. (laughs) I ran out of things to say before the end of this (laughs) song. And there it is. And done. We're out. One of our listeners, Kristen, who is currently serving in South Africa, recently shared a story about how she positioned herself to experience God. She writes, A few weeks ago, I prayed that God would allow me to be seen. I specifically asked to be seen at church and when I go out. I asked God for two specific things. One, the pastor of the church I attend would shake my hand. And two, someone would sit with me at lunch. When I got to church that day, I saw the pastor as I was about to find a seat. He started to take a step and continue walking, but suddenly stopped and came up to shake my hand and say hi. It was so cool for me to see because it had to be God. He answered my prayer in the way that I asked and did it in a way that showed me that it was him. He also exceeded my expectations because I ended up sitting by the friend of one of the few people I knew at the church. When it was time for the greeting, instead of shaking my hand like most people do, she gave me a hug. Looking back on that moment, it really was God telling me that he sees me and that I am seen. Later that day at lunch, a lady saw that I was journaling and asked me if I journal every day and that it was a good habit to get into. It wasn't the exact answer to my prayer, but God totally showed up in both ways. 
I could clearly understand that it was from him and feel the encouragement. God does answer prayers and will exceed your expectations. Journaling is a great way to see God and to just express your emotions. If you don't journal, I recommend trying it out. Well, thank you, Kristen, for sharing this story. And I think it's a beautiful story of what it looks like to position yourself so that you can experience God. Many of us want to experience God. Many of us want to see him and to hear him, but we want it to come easily. We want it to come without a hassle. We want it to just be given to us. We have the opportunity though, to not be passive, but to be active. And let's be real. We position ourselves for other things in our lives. If we want that good deal on a TV, we might position ourselves outside of that store at four in the morning in a crowd of people and wait for those doors to open and crash through on Black Friday. Why are we then so resistant to positioning ourselves for something far greater than a TV that's gonna be outdated in two years anyways? Why are we so resistant to positioning ourselves to see, to hear, to experience the God of the universe who created us? And Jesus promises us this will work. In Matthew 7, starting in verse 7, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Y'all, this is Jesus saying this. This guy knew what he was talking about. This guy knew what it meant to position oneself. This guy knew what it meant to be in such a relationship with God the Father that you can hear him, that you can see him in any given moment. And he is promising us if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, if we position ourselves instead of being passive, that we will experience God. So that's my challenge for you today. What is one small way that you can position yourself to experience God today? What is one small way that you can position yourself to see or hear him? What is that little nudge that could be God that you could take a step of obedience into? Because God doesn't want to hide from us. He wants us to see him. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to know him. And that's your opportunity today. So position yourself. And then let yourself answer the question, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?